You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. Happy Friday, folks. It's your boy Drake here. And once again, we're here for part two of our interview with the one and only Cam Lemons DeBro, a.k.a. the head of tailgating over at Wake Forest University. Still, it's just Dave and I for part two of this interview. We'll be discussing defense, special teams, and also what exactly does Cam think going to happen in this game? Because, folks, he gets says a lot of words, a lot of encouraging, encouraging insight that we might be able to actually pull this off and quite honestly, this is a win that Coach Mike Norvell and the FSU football team desperately needs. So, without further ado, here's Dave, Cam, and I for part two of our Know Your Foe series. And, folks, hope you enjoy it. One of the problems Florida State has had the last couple of years had against Notre Dame was a field position issue where we're putting our defense in really bad spots to have to defend a short field. How, how has Wake Forest field position position situation been this year? Fine. We, well, I would say great, except they score too easily. Uh, they've already returned a kick for a touchdown, so you can't, can't, can't really go field position there and score. Uh, in the first game, they also had an interception. They had two interceptions. One was, I think, on, on the opponent's 40. Other one ran back for um, – what, ran back to, to, like, the five, and they ended up not scoring a touchdown there. Hate it. Um – they're, they've been fine. Um, I think the biggest thing, that's going to be a big thing. They lost Jack Crane as their kickoff specialist last year. Um, they brought in a, a transfer, and he was able to kick it out of the end zone. Yvonne Moore has done a good job of that this year so far, but the pressure is a little bit different when it's 3.30 and FSU is on the other side of it. And he's, like, yeah, he's in his third year, but, you know, things are different, legs were out. And that's one thing I'm actually going to be, kind of watching for myself, like in 28, 2019, Wake Forest had a big problem with field position. Always give up a long return to their own 30 or 20. And it's felt like, it felt like we could never get a, they could never get a return to their own like 35, even if they, they thought we were going to fair catch it. It didn't matter though. Cause I remember that game against us. You had, who, who's the one running back that we that, like, Oh, Kate Carney, you could not tackle him. His, uh, his brother's also committed by the way to Wake Forest. So, Oh, great. Perfect. See you again in two years. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, you felt like, or some people felt like the Wake Forest defense had kind of packed it in a little bit against FCS competition. So what is the identity of this Wake Forest defense? Havoc. They are going to cause you problems. They, one of the biggest issues from Wake Forest the last few years has been their death, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Last year, they flat out ran up safeties. Like they were, they Nick Anderson, who was a walk on, had three interceptions against uh, Jane Tech last year, was that a walk on him because they had literally no one else to play back there. Um, I they had to, lose they that. had to move Monsieur Greer, who was their starting safety, to corner because they're like, I we have no DBs against Clemson. Like they they have had an issue with that, and this is the, finally the first year where they can say we can go three deep at safety, we can go fully two deep at corner we can go too deep across the line and not have a drop off. And now with defensive coordinator, Matt Lyle Hempel is trying to do is 
say, okay, cool, we're going to give you all these different looks, and you now have no idea who's dropping back. You have no idea who's blitzing. You have nothing. And, oh, you have to deal with the field in, um, who usually, last year was Boogie Bash, and who's now with the Bills, who's a second-round pick. Thank God. Now, yeah. but now you have Rondell Bostoroid, who has lost 17 pounds and looks like he is a new person, and also a, for, a former four-star who both Tennessee and Michigan – Amongst others, we're trying to flip in Jasheen Davis, who looks just incredible. <laughs> and it's just, you better get the ball out fast because these guys are going to get there. And that's, there's nothing, once they get your hands, they're not, it's not a lot of they can do with it. And you don't know where that pressure's coming from. So then that goes to my thing, because I think, so what's the one thing that's, I guess, the weakness, I guess, of your defense? Because from what I've been also seeing too, that your run defense is particularly not great, and that's one of the big strengths actually with this Florida State offense, regardless yeah, of Stuart Travis or somebody else. It's it's focus and assignments. Last year they had a lot of it. They had a lot of problems stopping the run with, with lack of people, and they'd set their linebackers and their safeties in unwinnable positions. Like they they asked them to cover two different gaps, and you can't do that. Physically, you cannot cover the A gap and the B gap. Like, yeah. You know. yeah. This year, it's kind of a focus thing. And we, like I said, we saw it against Norfolk State of people being like, well, I know this guy can run, but I really want the sack. And people started breaking contain. Well, I know this running back is kind of fine, whatever. But I think, I think if I really kind of push up the field too much further, I can't. Like, I, I got this. And you see someone run for 15, 20 yards. I think right now it's just trusting in what the call is and finishing tackles. We saw a lot of missed tackles last year. I think there was six players, like starters, that graded below a 30 in the tackling grade last last week. Granted, there was another five that graded above a 75, but that one time it's a third down, you're throwing it out to um, Luke McCain or Andrew Parchment, or you're having Toa Philly get the ball for the 15th time, which he should be that game, and they're breaking off for an 80-yard touchdown. Like, man, it was third and 10 from their own 15-yard, like their own 20-yard line, and you go, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in the right place, two different downs. You miss the tackle on the third down, that's it. And I think that's what they need, what the emphasis in practice is probably going to be this week is, you know your assignment, do it. <laughs> so then I guess for the assignment, well, I guess for the, yeah, so I guess for the assignment basically is, we have Mackenzie Milne, you know, officially being named as the starter for this game coming up. Now, in my personal belief, I think we still will see the TUQB system primarily because – the run defense is you for is a little bit shakier, but also because Jordan Travis is dynamic with his legs, with Jay Sean Corbin, and also with Trayshawn Ward. What's the kind of I guess the mindset I guess for this defense, like for who to prepare for fully? Because, or who would you prefer to see? Because Mackenzie Milne is obviously the better passer, but Jordan Travis has the dynamic with the legs. So which one I guess would you prefer to see, or would the defense be more better equipped to see? Oh, Milton, hundred percent. I I really think that mobile quarterbacks give this team fits mm-hmm. because well, like I said, same, same thing with, with Sam Hartman, just because there's so many moving parts with, okay, cool. Like if this happens, you need to stunt. This happens, you need to roll back, like whatever. If you have to deal with that, while well, Jordan Travis isn't the most efficient quarterback, like he's not the most accurate quarterback. The fact that if you take a bad angle in a second and he's gone, that's it. That's not taking anything away from McKenzie Milton because we saw against Notre Dame, you drop eight against him, he's going to kill you that like he's going to kill you but I think just having that one less option of saying 
okay, yes, he can scramble, but we can at least catch him gives gives a bit more solace in saying, okay, cool. As long as we can really just say, beat us with your arm and we're still going to rush forward, then we're, then it gives, it just makes it a little bit easier. I'm scared of both of them. Like I said, I, I, I'm Mike Jordan Travis. I think he has the tools to be successful and everything I read during camp about him was that he had taken leaps and bounds to passer and those legs scare me. And then I mean, we've obviously seen what McKenzie Meltzer can do at UCF. Like if he can play a full game with that leg and that foot, like it's tough. <laughs> yeah, but like, as we talked about it, like, you know, like in DM, like the first, like, first, cause when we had the reports about, you know, his alleged, you know, foot drop or his leg injury, you're like, me, like, is this true? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I, I, that's the yeah, one thing know. that like, they're super shut down about medical stuff. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, Drake here. Sorry to interrupt this wonderful interview with Cam, but I would be remiss if we did not discuss our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bars come in 16 delicious flavors. Me, personally, I'm a Terry Barcia guy. As you know, Max is a peanut butter brownie aficionado. Dave is a salted caramel savant. I even got my mom over here eating the cookies and cream. Folks, you guys can get a box with one specific flavor, six bars, or you can get a variety pack like myself. You get two of each kind, and trust me, I have two boxes of that right now at my desk in my office. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. And folks, if it's good enough for them, you're damn sure it's good enough for you. Folks, now back to the interview. Is there like one particular player that you have on the defense right now that one is like your seizure surefire, your go-to dog, and then on the opposite end, is there one player that you could definitely see being a problem or kind of being feasted on? Because we have a few of those in our secondary and also our linebackers right now, so I kind of want to know what's yours. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's like picking my favorite children. I'm a defensive guy. I love it. I probably have to say Nasir Greer. I mean, it. It. He's our starting safety. Was honorable mention all you can see a couple of years ago. Missed last year. Missed the end of uh, last two years ago with a knee injury, torn ACL. Missed pretty much all of last year as well. The kid's just an eraser. Like everything he like, there was 2019 against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. They break a long run, punches the ball out, gets the ball back. Against UNC a couple years ago, same sort of thing. Javante Williams breaks a long run from their own, it's like six yard line, catching 25 yards down the field. He was in the box, comes back, comes back out, punches the ball out, gets the ball back. I actually, I think in that FSU game as well, the fourth down with James Blackman, he was the one that got stopped. He he's just always a right place, right time guy. He can thump. Like there's a play for Malik Cunningham, the, the uh, Louisville game, 2019, where he hit him so hard he flipped over and landed on his head. Like and knocked him out of the game. Like he, Jesus, this man hits him. And there's also my favorite play from him, which is where Daniel Jones decides to throw a pick six right to him. He didn't move. All he did was take, he took one step back, stood there, caught ball, ran for touchdown. And Daniel Jones acted like he just didn't see him. That's an NFL quarterback, by the way. Hey, to be fair, he's not the only one that's done that to Daniel Jones. Shout out Candace Cooper, Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, Nasir is, Nasir is the eraser on the team. He's getting him back was a super important thing. 
I, and the guy, the guy that a lot of eyes are going to be on is, is kind of two. It's Ja'Cory Johnson and Luigi Belaine. Uh, they play the drop-in position for Wake, which is essentially they can. I think the Fox is sort of near close to it. Is essentially they can either speed like like kind of speed rush into the into the um, to the quarterback, or they can play more of a cover troll and kind of cover the flat. Just kind of depends on what the call is. They're looking for a lot of production on that end. Like I mean, for the last few years they've had Bogey on the other side. This year they have Rondell and Justin Davis, and Jacory's been good at kind of getting pressure. But they really haven't gotten full-on sacks from them. They haven't gotten anything in terms of, like, a lot of, like, full-on stops when they dump it off to the running back on that side. Like, it, when it gets to that side, it seems like, okay, the linebacker, the buck, the buck now needs to figure that out instead of the drop-in who was in coverage. They need that end to be good. I mean, like I said earlier, while Kent Milton isn't the most, he isn't Lamar Jackson, he can still run. He can still evade. If you take a wrong angle on him, he's going to get around you. And you need to – the thing I've been preaching this week in, in DMs and writing is you've got to kill this team. This team does not like to die for whatever reason. I was full-on full on in like Notre Dame minus seven, minus eight, minus nine. But that team just would not die. And I think that's how they're going to be most of the season. I think Norvell – cover two, cover one, whatever you want to call it. That aside hurts. I think, I think that aside, he's a good coach. I don't think that, I, I didn't think Willie was a bad coach. I think there was other things going on there. I don't think FSU hires a bad necessarily coach. Are there other problems going on? Sure. There's probably some lots of talent, depth styles here and there. Sure. I think overall though, he is a good coach. And that shows with how that team just doesn't die. Sure, Notre Dame wasn't isn't as good as probably we thought they were coming to here, but it, there's still a bunch of four and five stars on that team. There's still guys that can take the top off. There's still guys that can just bulldoze you over. You have to kill that team, and that starts with, you know, if the other side can't finish something, if you're Jacory Johns, you got to finish it. You can't let coverage bust happen. You can't let what happened last week against Norfolk State where you basically all collapsed on the guy and, it just, oh no, there was a running back out in the flat that you just didn't. Well, I know that that hurts well from the screen against Notre Dame. I remember that play very well, but oh, it's you got to you got to do that, and he's going to be the guy that is probably going to control that. I'm not going to lie to you, Cam. You've been a lot more positive about our coaching staff right. than we just were when we recorded our episode for for Wednesday <laughs> just now. Well, but I, I was I was at the Birmingham Bowl when Wake played uh, Norvell at Memphis, and it really struck me just how well coached that team was like i know they're they were in the aac and you know wake wasn't great that year in the acc but he really coached those guys up you saw guys like demonte coaxie come out of there kenneth gainwell come out of there like from a from a team that has dave clausen that knows how to coach guys up i see a lot of that in norvell and i think yeah it's, it takes a while for it takes a second for to come there and i know those like are different when you're at FSU and the weight level you recruit. But it looks like the pieces are in the right place. And I think Lawson said it himself in the press conference today is they're what, four plays from being two and oh. Yeah. Like if they're two and oh, or even they're one and oh, one and one, and you know, they have a loss in Jacksonville State, but a win and which would have been electrifying in that, that stadium looked incredible that night. We were there. They're even one and one. We're talking yeah, we were about there. complete yeah, they're they're talking about this game completely differently. 
And so you can't just say, hey, look, this team's 0-2 and they're garbage. Yeah, I mean, there there are some stats that, that aren't the best indicators, but it's not like they're out here. It wasn't like the Texas, like Texas-Arkansas game we saw last week where Texas just absolutely got manhandled for 45, 60 minutes. Please don't remind that, me that I took Texas minus eight, and I never felt I so also dumb. Had my damn life. I am. I was heated about that. I, I think Steve Sarkeesian is literally. I think he's in timeout for me for about a few weeks. And actually, that is a perfect segue to. I didn't tell you this. We're going to make you do two picks actually, because this is for Friday now, and I'm going to actually put you in the spot real quick if you don't mind. Go for it. So I think we can all agree that the University of Miami or University of Coral Gables, we're not huge fans of, right? I'm not allowed to bet on Miami. Why is that? <laughs> they like Sarkeesian's in timeout for you. Manny Diaz is in timeout for me right now. <laughs> oh, I'm about to say, I, mean, I, I wanted to ask you because I am leaning personally Michigan State plus six and a half because that is the line at this point. What <sighs> would you, if you were, if they were not, if they were not in timeout for you, where would you go with this pick? I mean, it's hard because I have the over in that game right now. <laughs> Actually, I, I took over 55 in that game. I thought they're too. I, I, I would take Michigan State in this game. I think the loss of – I believe they lost, like, one of their starting linebackers um, in their last game. And one of the big question marks coming into that game – well, coming into the season for Miami was their linebackers. And yep. you're telling me you lose another starting one and you can't really replace them midseason? It's not like they can go sign a free agent. While I have questions about – Michigan State's passing offense, like that's there's a lot to be a desire there, and I think we'll see there. As someone who watched Ken Walker the third both there and also his first game where he scored what four touchdowns. You, I think I think Miami wins, but man, I think that game's like a like a two three point game. I think I think anything I think under a touchdown like that five to seven range is a good Michigan State spot. Yeah, because right now BetOnline.ag has it at plus six and a half for Michigan State, and then for that total, folks, it's actually at fifty-seven at the time of this recording. Personally, to me, I'm on the under for that one mainly because I think that's, that number is really high, and I'm on the camp that Derrick King isn't the same uh, as before. He's so, not. He's not. He's not. He's not. Which sucks because I actually like Derrick King a lot. But folks, that is your BetOnline.ag line of the day. I'm not gonna say it's a lock for Cam, but I do think because he because like we said before, Mandy is in timeout for him. But before we let you go. I'm going to ask you one question schematically, and then we're going to have Dave, you know, ask you about prediction. I kind of want to know, because you did kind of say before how there was some busted coverages against Norfolk State. So what does this uh, this FSU offense, with Mackenzie Milne supposedly being the starter, have to do to exploit your defense, aside from, I guess, you know, throwing the ball quickly to avoid your defensive ends? I mean, they've got to, they've got to use the running back in, in, the, in the passing game. They've got to, got to get the ball there, I think. Their corners, Kalen Carson and Jasar Taylor, are two of the better cornerbacks in the ACC. And last year, they were two of the better cornerbacks in the country. You, I don't think with the with the troubles that FSU has had in that wide receiver, you're going to be able to challenge them that much. Where you are going to be able to challenge them is getting that running back in the space. They're they're gonna there's going to be a bust here and there, but mostly if they're bringing four, and even maybe a delayed fifth person. There's going to be space in that, like either over the middle, if you bring him out of the backfield and bring him right up the middle. So going to be space probably in the flat just because they're not going to like play a little cloud over there more times than not, at least as part of the game. So if you can get the running backs involved, 
that's gonna be it. And I think I think Wake's gonna stack the stack the box against them, but it doesn't matter if you can't tackle. It doesn't matter if you can't catch them. It's one of the biggest things I'm worried about is I don't think anyone on this Wake team minus maybe Gavin Holmes who ran a four two, like four two four when he was yeah, he ran like a four two four at a at a camp in Colorado. Damn. And we were like, yeah, we want we want that guy. But <laughs> I mean Jasir Taylor runs a four four, so I mean he can he can probably catch them, but as a whole, there's not a this isn't a team that's predicated on speed in the back end. There's a lot of they're gonna get into your face at the line. They're gonna be they're in the right place, right time when you throw it deep. Like there's a lot of interceptions that are just the safety coming over the top and just being like, sorry, not sorry, it's mine. Where you're gonna beat them is underneath and just keeping them going and going and going. And why I say keep going and going and going isn't mean run 80 plays like Wake does. It's honestly going to be something that it's make them keep thinking, like, you know, run that play clock down and go, the linebackers like, wait, they're running it down. Are they actually going to run the ball? Are they going to run the ball in the backfield? Are they going to like throw it out? Like they see a fast offense every day in practice. So when it comes to seeing these teams that are, using the running back out of that backfield, which is something where he doesn't do that often, or they've seen these teams that are just kind of taking chunks out, it gets kind of dicey. <laughs> Cam, you know what time it is. You had a <laughs> lot of nice things to say about Mike Norvell, a lot of nice things to say about Florida State's performance against Notre Dame, about the talent we have on this team, that you thought this is the kind of game Wake Forest has lost in the past. Who's going to win this football game? Wake 31, FSU 17. There, There's just... It just I'm and I'm worried about this game. I I think I said this earlier in the dress. I this is a game that is either Wake blows them out or they lose like by like four points. There is absolutely no in between with this game. There's just too many schematic things. Like there's not a single number that points me to saying this is where besides running the ball, which I think is they FSU was like shit running ball like running the ball team. It's scary, but there's not a single place where FSU is weak at that Wake's not strong at. And that's a that was kind of my whole reasoning for the Notre Dame game. And we kind of saw Notre Dame. Notre Dame just didn't kill them. They tried they they tried to do everything but kill them. They dropped eight and stopped doing that. I'm sorry. Drop dropping eight against Mackenzie Milton. Stop doing that. I don't care <laughs> who you think you are. This dude didn't break his arm. He broke his leg. He can still throw the ball. <laughs> Brain didn't break. He's so smart. Like, stop dropping eight. He's just gonna do whatever he needs to do to get a first down. Oh wait, now wait. Cool, you lost an eighteen point lead. No, but I, I think that's, I think that's where Wake is gonna probably gonna watch that film and say, we know we can exploit them on offense. We know that we they are not the best in the secondary, and covering a guy like Troy Roberson and Donald Stewart and At Perry is gonna be really hard. And then defensively wise. Up, like the interior for FSU isn't great. I think the tackles. Are, I think tackles. I think I think Love Taylor's. I think Love Taylor's like a really good player, but I think interior wise, even with Dylan Gibbons, who has I think what like three penalties last last game or so. Yeah, two. Uh, yeah, two. Like I just don't think they're equipped to fully handle Miles Fox, who was an All ACC defensive tackle last year. Yeah, he scares the crap out of me actually. Too. Yeah, like I I don't and, yeah. I, and I think if you put a lot of emphasis on them doing that and they can only they can get home with four it nullifies the advantages that you had and then you say okay cool let's just kind of stretch them out like vertically i was watching 
rewatching the Jacksonville State games. I like doing a rewatch and writing my thoughts on the opponent. I didn't for FCS because I watched that Norfolk State uh, Akron game and it was terrible and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> when I saw that first drop that was wide open, I yelped. I I was like, excuse me? And this is like, a, but the thing is, it's a, it's a common thing. And so it's, you know, you think the light, co- light comes on and I was listening to um, over 2% sports. I was looking on the bench and it kind of resonated me when they were talking about how this feels like a team of wide receiver threes. And they're all really good. And I think if, say, and I, I'm a big Andrew Parchment fan. I do want me a lot of money in DFS at Kansas. But I think if they can't get it together and you're playing a bunch of corners and safeties that are really good at taking away space and you have to make go up and make catches and you haven't shown it, I can't trust that. So you're telling me the only way you can win this is by running the ball? Cool, fine. You're going to be tired. Like you're, just, you're, just, they're, they're going to get. I think they're going to get out muscled. I have. A, there was a stat I pulled earlier today that was last year. Wake ran over eighty plays, and I think like ran them at like three and a half, four plays like a minute. Like they, they're going to go lightning fast, and I think it's an opposite problem now for FSU, especially that like defensive line. Do they have the bodies to be out there for ninety plays? If they truly want to get into a shootout, do they have the bodies for that? I think FSU, FSU uh, Notre Dame ran 2.28 plays per, per minute. Jacksonville State, 1.68. I don't I don't know how you get accustomed to that in practice, and I don't know how you get accustomed to that during the game. That's a really, really hard thing to do. When it's Even if it's a 17-17 game midway through the fourth, these guys still got juice out there, <laughs> and I just think that's yeah. going to be really hard to overcome. And not only that, I think with this Jacksonville State game, and Dave, Max, and I have like relitigated this constantly, where we play with our food a little bit too much. And with that, I think we try to do a lot of different play calling that's like not going to be in our nature, just to like maybe give Dave Clawson some extra stuff to think about. Like with a lot of those deep shots, a lot of that, you know, the trickeration, the Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milne being the same backfield. I don't know why the hell we have Mackenzie Milne lining out wide. No offense. He's not catching the ball. He's not catching the ball, and it's not going his way. That's just, you, you might as well just put me out there because I'm not getting the ball either. That's like the same damn thing. Oh, uh, yep. Um, but I think with that, I think it's more – it is kind of optimistic for us to hear you say all that just now and still even in your column are you saying that this is a game you guys should win handily, yet you feel it may be just be a trap game for us, for, for you guys, which I just don't know how to feel about that. Maybe if it was a dope, it would be even more in our favor – but the fact that we're traveling after a kind of a not only a huge letdown, but the most embarrassing loss in our history is going to be response. The response is going to be very indicative of if Mike Novello is the coach that we all thought he was coming over from Memphis. There's a there's a nightmare fuel scenario that's very plausible of Wake loves to defer. Hate it. They love to defer. There's a nightmare fuel scenario where the first three plays, they break a 70-yard, like FSU breaks a 70-yard run. Wake comes out kind of messes around, gets a couple of stuff runs, doesn't convert on third down. I wish you get the ball back, does the same thing. Now you're down 14, nothing. Well, I think Wake has the offense to score like that and say, this is a shootout. I hate momentum. I think momentum is not a thing. I think confidence is a thing. And if you're saying a team that is, you back a dog into a corner, they're going to bite. They're up 14, nothing. 
that starts getting they start getting a lot more confident then. We saw it against Notre Dame. They even after the fourth down touchdown, when they started getting confident, they started rolling. I'm sure some issues did that, but like is Wake a good enough team to get punched in the mouth right now? I don't know. They haven't been punched in the mouth in a single time in the first two games. FSU has twice. Granted, they lost both times, but they got punched in the mouth twice and responded. They put if they get to punch Wake in the mouth and get up 14, 14 nothing. That's a real scary side. I think it's a very plausible thing. Yikes. I, I can't handle a 31-17 game. I'll be in a bad place, Cam. You'll, uh, you know, next year I, I may be covering, uh, what are we doing, a movie podcast? Is that what we're pivoting to, a food We're podcast? pivoting to a food and or movie podcast, actually. If, yeah, if it's right. food, yeah. hit me up. I am a big cooker, so you can. <laughs> no, I got you. I got, I got you. I got you. But the, one of the personal questions that I wanted to ask you, from last episode that we did, well, when we, we had you on Old Anonymous before the Wake game, uh, we know you're a huge fan of the UCF Knights. You're a massive fan. That's your second team from, you know, well, from our discussions. What's your feeling on them actually finding an actual permanent home in the Big 12? Big 12 sucks. I mean, what else, what else do we want? What else do we want with this? Like, I, I'm happy for them because I think they found a way to circumvent Memphis and get into a conference. But that team's going to be the, the fifth the fifth conference by a long shot. Like that team, that who's the best team in that conference now? Cincinnati. Is Vince Nickel going to go to USC? That's a good point yeah. too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I physically don't know who the best team, and I'm, I'm sure it's good for parody. It's gonna be a lot of fun to laugh and point fingers as an ACC coastal stand. Love being able to point at divisions that aren't mine. <laughs> boy I don't know who's going to be good and sure it's going to help their recruiting and everything but okay cool you get to be the 13th best team in the country go to the Sugar Bowl or not Sugar Bowl go to like the Alamo Bowl and get your teeth kicked in by an SEC opponent is that, is that what you want <laughs> like we know Gus Malzahn like can, can put up some stinkers is that what you really want God, I wish Max was here for this right now because I think you and him have the equal hatred of that damn school. Mainly because for folks of you that don't know that, that his hatred stems more from UCF fans telling him that they wanted UCF to replace Wake in the ACC, <laughs> and then offering to find me in DC and fight me. That was that was the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but Cam, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really had a really really good time. Dude, we love man. you, buddy. Yeah, we love Happy you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And, like, thank you for your gambling picks. Trust me, I will ride some of them. Also, folks, take Florida plus 16 and a half. I think Bam actually <laughs> might be for a rude awakening in the swamp. But, Cam, please let the people know where to find you, where to locate you, where to follow you. Um, so, I write for Demon Deacon Digest on 247 Sports, as well as Blogger So Dear um, for SB Nation. You can follow my terrible tweets at, at CamLemons underscore. Um, I promise you they're not terrible, but if they are, I don't apologize. And folks, there you have it. The man does not apologize for anything, especially his 31 to 17 take. I'm taking us 27 to 24 on a last second field goal. I believe that Fisher can make it. Dave, what do you think? 30, 21, Florida state. I need it. Please. Yeah, God. We, we need to win. And what's even worse, Cam, we discussed this before in the episode we recorded for Wednesday that we will be more mad that we win this game because that shows the Jacksonville state game should not have happened at all. Just imagine what happens to recruiting. If like, you, you got to explain that. Yeah, we won, but like, yeah, we imagine, imagine talk about at it. the end of the year you finish. I know I'm, I feel like the goal sometimes is getting to a bowl and stuff. Imagine you finish five and seven, 
because of Jacksonville State. And folks, that is going to be content. That's going to be content for next week. Tune in on Monday. We will discuss the exact topic topic on Locked On Seminoles for Drake, Dave, Cam. We'll see y'all next time. And Cam again. Thank you so much for coming by.